welcome to another episode of Mystic Skeptic uh, radio show and podcast. Uh, we are going back to our series, Heritage Hunters, where we've been discussing the converso or um, you know ancient Jewish heritage of uh, Spanish Portuguese who landed in the Americas. And uh, as we've discussed through uh, my research and my presentations and different genealogical and historical conferences, uh, it's a very complicated subject. And there's been new um, information that has been coming out. Uh, we're lucky to have a genealogist, uh, John R. Campbell, who's going to be sharing his uh, perspective and what he has been able to find. So uh, this is the first time that we meet. So uh, I would like to know more about you, as I've shared with you. I'm a returnee to uh, Judaism, uh, first generation, um, you would say, uh, I guess, first generation uh, living Jew versus uh, just being someone who has a Jewish ancestry and then uh, raising a Jewish family and, and trying to develop documents and integrate myself into the greater Jewish community. So it's easy to do that in Texas and in America where there's religious freedom and if you find an open enough community, you can uh, do that. But I know in Latin America, there's still a lot of stereotypes, um, a lot of discrimination and persecution of Jews, and a lot of um, almost shame uh, from people that came from uh, descendants of people that were persecuted by the Inquisition, or they were hiding, or that they gave up their uh, Spanish Jewish uh, heritage for safety and you know, assimilating into the greater culture. But what happens when that people do that, they're still discriminated, they're still dismissed as new Christians or suspects that they're still practicing uh, a religion that is passe and that is not, no longer uh, acceptable to the, the greater uh, Catholic community. So um, how did you come across this and what was your interest in learning more about the hidden Jews of Latin America? It all started back when I was 12 years old. I'm right, uh, I'm presently 64 years old, but back when I was 12, back in 1970, my great aunt, Luisa Marulanda, sat me down and she presented me out of all the nephews and nieces. She chose me to, uh, to present the genealogy of the family and how we descend from Juan Ildefonso Ramon, who was a mayor of Aredo in the early 1800s. And mind you, this is 1970, and I have no way of researching any of this. And again, I'm 12 years old, and uh, I sat on this information until 1993 when I bought my first computer. And I, 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 uh, the first thing I did was started uh, uh, doing research on Tomas Sanchez, the founder of Laredo in 1755. And a book appeared in, a, in an online bookstore in San Antonio about Tomas Sanchez uh, and the founder, all the founders of Mon all the founders of Laredo. And uh, this author explained that Tomas Sanchez arrived in Laredo in 1755 with 11 families and that they were all cousins. And what the author does in this book, he presents us with the uh, with the genealogies of Tomas Sanchez and the other founding families. And I noticed they all descended from one couple, Diego Trevino and Beatriz Quintanilla, who arrived in Mexico City from Spain in the 1550s. 
Diego, and I, uh, I refer to Diego and Beatriz as this region's Adam and Eve, and I don't use that term loosely. Anybody with deep roots in this region, which is northeastern Mexico and South Texas, descends from Diego Trevino and Beatriz Quintanilla. And uh, the, this author, Guillermo Garmendia Leal, I noticed at that point that every, every single founding member of Laredo descended from this couple. So what I started doing on a computer, I, I purchased a, uh, a family tree maker software. I keyed in my lines of descent from Ildefonso Ramon, which was given to me by my aunt. And then I started doing further research on Tomas Sanchez descending from Diego and Beatriz and linking up all the other families. And little by little, as I, uh, one could say, one could say it's a puzzle. It's literally a puzzle. Uh, just keying in who Tomas, Tomas Sanchez's children were and all the other founding families, how they intermarried. And, uh, and working, there, working my way down to the present from 1755 and in turn from the 1550s. So as I looked at the big picture, I noticed that the founders of Laredo descended from somebody who arrived in Mexico City in the 1550s. And I, I, I kept going back to this online bookstore and purchasing more books. I right now possess a, uh, I built up my own genealogy library. And along the, along the way, I noticed that uh, one book, it's called the, um, by David Raphael, his, the, uh, it, it'll, it'll come to me in a minute, but it, it outlines how, how the Jews ended up in Mexico as they were fleeing the Inquisition in Spain. And I'm, gonna, I'm going to... Uh, uh, preface all this by saying I'm not a historian. I'm a genealogist. My big, my big, my big uh, target. My target was to just fit everybody into a family group and how they all descend from Diego and Beatriz. But on, along the uh, along along the course of this, I noticed that we descend from Jews. In the course of my research, I found one study by Dr. Thomas Hillercus from the Universidad Autónoma de, de Zacatecas. And his entire study, uh, and David, I'll email you this. Uh, the, there's two studies actually, which, which assist, assisted me greatly in, in uh, pointing out how we descend from Jews. Dr. Hillercus, targeted this one Jew in Spain in the 1300s, Abraham Halevi, and how the Oñates, the founder of New Mexico, and the uh, Mendozas of Zacatecas, from whom Tomas Sanchez descends, how, how they all descended from this one Jew in Spain in the 1300s. So uh, th this is what introduced me to the, uh, the Jewish line of practically every family in Northeast Eastern Mexico and South Texas. Well, let me tell you my stories and, and maybe you can fill in some of the gaps if, uh, mm -hmm. if you're familiar with, with my family's last name. So um, when I was um, a teenager, I ran into some um, a family from Venezuela and they were involved in 
uh, evangelical movement that, that started connecting with uh, the Jewish roots and all that. And they said that uh, they had come across lists from the Inquisition that had uh, Latino last names. Mm-hmm. And that, um, you know, at that point, and this is something that I've also tried to uh, unravel, is the the myths and the exaggerations that sometimes happen where people would say anybody with a Latino last name or with a Z in their, uh, you know, the last letter is of Jewish origin. Uh, that's kind of the stuff that I first heard. I hadn't heard anything growing up in Mexico, Monterrey. Um, I knew that my family was very secluded, that they uh, didn't like to talk to strangers, they didn't like to intermarry with native population of Mexico, that they thought they were royalty. Uh, we were uh, mil- low middle class, uh, you know, just Mexicans. And we, all, mm-hmm. we, knew, we knew that it was, there was something uh, a little odd, um, but there was nothing like completely uh, distinct about us and the rest of the population. And then the more I dug into the book, uh, The Martyr, about the life of um, Carvajal and his okay. uh, family awesome. members, Yes. Uh, I ran into uh, Tomas Trevino de, so- uh, de Sobremonte, which uh, we have Trevinos all over in our family. Um, on We have people that, with same last name that, that intermarried on my mom's side uh-huh. and my dad's side. And then uh, I and met a rabbi. Trevino? Trevino? Huh? Their last name is Trevino? Well, mine is not, but my mom's is. And then okay. my, my grandma and my grandpa on, on my... My grandma on my, on my dad's side and my grandpa and grandma on the mom's side, something like that. Um, and um, I ran into this uh, uh, Jewish gentleman from New York and I showed him some of my last names. And he said that the one that sounded more Jewish was Elizondo. Uh-huh. Because it has E-L at the beginning. Uh-huh. And uh, my dad is Elizondo on his mom's side. And then uh, I started hearing about Cantu and... Um, and now I know about the five names that Spain has recognized as Jewish, such as uh, Villarreal, uh, Guerra, and um, I always forget the other three. Those are all core names in my database. Those so, are all uh, core names. So I have three out of the five in my family. Uh-huh. And, but the, the issue always comes back to, well, okay, fine. There was Jews that fled uh, Spain and they landed in Mexico, but they're all conversos. They're not actual like practicing Jews. So right. how can someone claim to have Jewish heritage? Is it like the the Russian Jews that uh, a lot of them intermarried in in, uh, in the Soviet uh, regime and they know that there's some Jewish line somewhere, but they can't really point to it because they're all secular and, and nobody really cares. Is that how you would describe the people from Northern Mexico where since everybody's a nominal Catholic or whatever that they the only Jewish heritage would be kind of maybe through intermarriage and, and uh, some type of uh, vestiges of, of a Jewish past, or is there uh, like a ongoing, like some people will say my, my uncle, my grandfather pulled me to the side and age 13 told me that we're Israelitas or that mm-hmm. we're Hebreos. Uh, so it's more like a, like an actual Jewish presence, but, I didn't have that in my family. I know that um, if an egg um, had blood in it, my grandpa would throw it out. I know that uh, when someone died, they would cover the mirrors, but that's uh-huh. about it. We, we never heard anything else. Um, how would you describe it as, as like a, 
Converso uh, descendants, actual crypto Jewish uh, community. H how would you picture the people from northern Mexico and south um, side of the U.S. who who come from that that heritage as a whole? Do you see them as as a real thing or something that is like barely uh, fading away? Or from what for, this is just me, and again, I'm not a historian. I don't claim to be. I'm a genealogist. But a lot, and, and I, I tell people this, uh, who ask me questions like this, I tell them point blank, you need to seek out a historian for something, for questions of this nature. From what I've gathered, I went to Madrid about five years ago. My brother and I went to Madrid and I noticed practically everywhere we went, there was some sort of, there was an animal leg on top of a stand everywhere we went. Uh, restaurants, uh, clothing stores, malls, whatever, There's there was always this one animal's leg. And uh, as we're sitting in a restaurant, I asked the waiter, what exactly does that leg signify? I see it everywhere I go here. And he said, and this is the, this is how he, this is the inquisition in one minute, okay? He said, Fernando e Isabela eran los reyes católicos. Ella era la fuerte. Ella le dijo a Fernando, nos vamos a casar y vamos a unir nuestros reinos y los que no se quieran convertir al, catolic al catolicismo, los, los vamos a matar. So this is why the end, some ended up fleeing to, to Mexico where they also had an inquisition. And from there, from what I gather, the ones who ended up in Mexico, at some point over the course of generations, they were allowed to practice their religion behind closed doors. But at some point, they just started being baptized, married, and buried in the Catholic Church over the course of generations. So from what I gather, they just got tired of hiding and became Catholics which is why we have all the records now available that I work, that I create my database from. So that's how I, that's how I would um, sum up the Inquisition in one minute. So for those that don't speak Spanish, uh, what that waiter was telling you was uh, King uh, Ferdinand and Queen Isabella uh, wanted to unite their kingdoms. They came together and they said, anybody doesn't convert, we're going to uh, slaughter them. And that's why people fled. Um, the five, uh, according to the, you know, the new thing where they're trying to give people citizenship of Spain, uh, it's to some, some people have had success, some others haven't. Uh, and I think it's closed now, but the five names that they recognize as Jewish are Guerra, Garza, Cantu, Villarreal, and Ortiz. Okay. And, and I have Garza, Cantu, and Villarreal in my family. So can someone say, well, you know, three out of five or, um, you know, we have features or uh, migration patterns or uh, oral histories or traditions that show uh, a crypto Jewish background. Is that, um, you know how Mexico is, they have a caste system. So if you're more Spaniard looking, you're in a different place than if you're more indigenous looking. Uh -huh. what, pe what people don't understand is that people in Spain are not all blonde, blue eyed. They're tan, they're dark, they're all kinds of different people. And it could be from the Moors, it could be from the Jews, it could be from the Visigoths. There's a, a mix. 
mixed bag and they're short and, and tall and, you know, big and skinny. Like, so this idea that there's a certain Jewish look or that, a, that someone who comes from a Jewish ancestry would have certain features, you, you don't think that would be true for, for Spanish Portuguese Jews because they're very varied and, and diverse, correct? Oh, yes, yes, that's correct. Uh, one of my, one of my, this, this um, I was preparing a, ge a genealogical study for a client once, and she showed me a picture of her grandfather and her grand, her father and his mother. They were, they were both in, uh, facing each other in profile. And, and her, this woman's grandmother looked exactly like Golda Meir. And she had, a, her last name was Garcia. But, you know, I, it, it was just amazing how she resembled Golda Meir down to a, she could have been her twin. And this, this client told me, doesn't, doesn't she look Jewish? And I said, she looks very Jewish. And her last name was Garcia. So this is a picture of, of me with my maternal grandparents. Uh-huh. I, I was blonde and blue-eyed when I was born. Uh-huh. And my grandfather had like very uh, light skin to the point where he would turn red from the sun. Uh-huh. And my grandma had olive skin and very curly hair. Uh-huh. So, uh, you know, again, it does, it could be all kinds of things. It could be that there was a Visigoth guy that uh, converted to Judaism in Spain back in the 1300s. And what I know from uh, the, the thousand years of um, a Spanish heritage in Spain is that they were way more open to um, have not only convivencia, but like um, a marketplace of ideas, um, a type of philosophical Judaism that was open to converts and to the sciences compared to the more closed off Judaism of the Eastern Europeans or the Ashkenazim. So again, if people are not familiar with what was going on in Spain and the height of, of Jewish uh, learning and, and growth over there, it's easy to make assumptions that, you know, they would all look like Israelis or they would all uh -huh. look like uh, Arabs or something. And, and that's always been the, the, the attack against the Jews is they're foreigners, that no matter where they live, they're always weird and odd and not in line with the wishes of the people. But living in Spain for that many thousand, for since the times of the prophets, there's been a, a, a Jewish presence in Spain. They were so well established and they were 10% of the population uh, during these uh, pogroms where they started attacking them in the 1300s that by the time that uh, they were expelled, I'm sure that they look like the local population. Um, it's almost like the story of Moses where they know he was a Hebrew because he looked just like the Egyptians. Mm -hmm. So Esther and all the other Jews throughout the history who people didn't know their true identity is because they look like the, the rest of the people. There was nothing weird other than their beliefs or their distinct clothes. You know, there was a time in medieval Europe where Jews had to wear red hats or yellow hats. Uh, and that's where the yellow star of David came from to differentiate them from the rest of the population because they look like any old German or any old uh, Italian or a French person. So was it the same in, in your family and the people from uh, your location? 
uh, was there any distinct features or traditions or um, rights that they did that made them distinct from the rest of the population? Well, the, the thing is, and I, and I thought about this, at, at, you know, recently, like eating el pan de semita, semi-bread, we never knew what pan de semita was, but, you know, we just loved it and we grew up eating that. The tortillas. Uh, but the thing is, nobody ever told us that we descended from Jews. I, I discovered this really on my own. The one thing we learned from all the tias growing up is that todos somos primos. We're all cousins. We're all related. Nobody could tell me how or why. In the course of my research, I, I discovered that all these, all our ancestors happened to be intermarrying in order to keep land in the family. And the, the book I was referring to previously, it's called The Conquistadores and Crypto Jews of Monterrey by David T. Rafael. And he cites among the cities in Mexico, Monterrey has a mystique all its own marked by the enduring, quote, Jewish question regarding its founding in 1596. The historian Vito Alessio Robles made the statement that, quote, all the citizens of Monterrey are descended from Jews, close quote. This is the historian Vito Alessio Robles saying this. This includes chapters on early prominent founders and families, Alberto del Canto, Luis de Carvajal, Gaspar Castro de Castaño de Sosa, Diego de Montemayor, the founder, and the Garzas of Lepe and Monterrey. So um, again, uh, I learned all this years after my tia just told me we're all related. She never, at, at no point did anybody ever tell me we descend from Jews, at no point. When I started finding books and uh, articles of this nature, at, that's when I just started uh, realizing that, uh, and then hearing about how the Jews fled Spain, fled the Inquisition in Spain, that's how we ended up here. And again, all this is in a nutshell. I'm sure it's a very complex history uh, and uh, I, I don't, I, I'm in no way going to pretend to be a, uh, an expert on this because, again, I just want to put everybody into their, into their respective family group and create their descent from the ones I call Adam and Eve, Diego Trevino, and Beatriz Quintanilla. So that's, that's where I'm coming from. But the, the fact that we descend from Jews, it's, uh, it's a very fascinating subject. But I feel lied to by the the historians in Mexico because, you know, growing up over there, I came when I was 15 to Texas, but growing up oh, over there, I, I lived in, in South uh, Mexico and Cancun and, and in Monterrey. Okay. And they tell you about the Mesoamericans like they don't exist. Like there used to be Aztecs, there used to be Mayans, and now they're gone. And then they tell you that when the Spanish came, they just took over and that's it. Like they don't, you never see other than people begging in the streets or they do some type of a special um, ritual or whatever, or presentation, you don't see much of the indigenous population. And then any, any other group that is not Roman Catholic, um, you know, sanctioned by the Vatican and by the Spanish uh, conquistadors doesn't exist either. The, you hear that Maybe some French that fought during the Battle of Puebla stuck around. 
maybe there's some Germans who came and brought beer and they became Mennonites and sell cheese mm -hmm. in the streets. And, and there is a couple of African um, people that became famous being actors or whatever, but you never hear of it or oh, how diverse Mexico is to begin with. Um, the, the movie Frida shows that there was uh, people from Russia and Germany and other places that were fleeing and landed in, in Mexico in the 1930s. But the people who were founders who came with all kinds of um, traditions and beliefs and ideas, I came to find through the um, uh, Rabbi Peter Tarlow uh, used to have a conference at uh, Texas A&M uh, every couple of years. And one of the documents that he had on his website mentioned that uh, Moroccan Jews used to heal one another with an egg. And it was a, uh, and you would get rid of the evil eye mm -hmm. with that. Mm -hmm. well, throughout my life, I thought that that was an indigenous practice. My mm -hmm. family was like obsessed with that weird ritual that if you fell sick, they would rub around an egg all over you. And if it comes mm -hmm. out full egg, that means that someone did give you the evil eye. And if, if it splatters, then you're fine. I, then to find out that it actually a, like almost like a Kabbalistic thing that was brought from the Mediterranean, like blows you away that no one's done any exposition about that. Um, there was a lady who did uh, some research about people in San Antonio and she found the, the image of a hand like this. Mm -hmm. And she was saying that it was the Hemsa from the, the Mediterranean also and that they use it in, in Israeli uh, folk uh, culture. And it's actually, she had it wrong. Like like this is, is the holy hand or whatever that has the sign of Jesus and it has five saints. Like uh -huh. this is the Hemsa. So there's, there's some confusion even on, uh, from a lot of the Eastern European people who try to look into uh, the Spanish-Portuguese heritage in the, in the Americas because they're not that familiar with Mexico or Latin America. They're not familiar with the language. They're not familiar with the ongoing attack uh, against Jews. I remember as a kid, all you hear is the Jews killed Jesus and anybody who's not Catholic is going to hell. So how can anybody ever say, oh, yeah, by the way, we're descendants of Jews or we've been practicing secret rites in our basement. And like it's almost like putting a target on your back. And, and there's a lot of cultural shaming from being part of uh, hermanos separados or what they would call heretics. So uh, what has been your experience as people find out that they have this Jewish ancestry? Is it a shock? Is it a. Uh, a form of honor do they feel uh, that things finally make sense or is it just another uh, unsolved mystery of of how difficult um, the descendants of, of the colonizers and the and the supremacist uh, Spaniards and, and and the mess they made when they came to the Americas when I give presentations and I give the background on everything I just spoke about of course towards the end I touch on do you all know we descend from Jews? And I see most people nodding their heads, but not in amazement or in shock or in grief or dismay. It's just like they all know it. They all, they've all heard it and that's it. Let's move on. So uh, nobody, nobody really seems to, to, to ask the question, like the questions you're asking right now, nobody seems to want to touch on that, on the vast historical nature of how did all this come to be? 
I, I like I said, I just noticed they all shake their heads and smile. Like, yes, we know. And then I'll give them the brief of the very brief history of how the Jews ended up in Mexico and how they fled Spain. But other than that, uh, no, nobody really, uh, nobody approaches me afterwards to ask, to delve more into why is it this way? Nobody's, nobody's ever asked me any, anything further. But they, they all nod in agreement that they know that, like they've all heard, uh, they're, they're uh, vaguely aware that, that we descend from Jews, but now that we're Catholics and Christians. But the, but the, the three, four, five hundred year uh, history of all that doesn't seem to, to, to come to to come to the surface, nobody asks. And like everything you just explained right now, this is the first time, this is the first I ever hear of all this, because again, I reiterate, I'm not a historian. This is the thing I'm dealing with every family, literally, I'm, I'm dealing, I'm putting every family into one database and connecting us all. So I, I'm, I'm just busy dealing with the genealogical aspects of all this, not the historical aspects. And I tell people this, I give you the who, when, and where, the what, the why, and the how has to be answered by a historian, but because I, I, don't, I don't have the time to be, uh, I really don't. My days are filled with just uh, building up my database and linking everybody in to, 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 uh, to build up their study. But like you just said right now, everything you just said right now about uh, the Portuguese, Jews, and all these other aspects. This is all new to me. Does anybody try to use your research to try to get citizenship in Spain? Yes, yes. Has it gone uh, through? A couple, I've had a couple of, uh, I've had a couple of people ask me for, uh, hire me to present them with their genealogies, and I do, but, uh, but you know, I, I don't know what's, what's happened beyond that, because I just present them with what I have, and then after that, I, you know, I, I haven't heard anything else uh, concerning, but I've had a couple of clients uh, approach me about that, that Spain is handing out, they want dual citizenship and they have to, they have to prove that they have Jewish roots from Spain. And I tell them this, this is, I tell them what I just told you is I just give them the lines of descent from this one couple. And after that, you all can read, read into it, whatever you want. But, but I, I, I do give them the Jewish lines from uh, Abraham Halevi for whatever that's worth. Dr. Hiller cuts his work. His research is on that. And I give all the credit to Dr. Hiller cuss that he's the one who presented us with this. And this is why, this is how you descend from this Jew in Spain in the 1300s. So you do have, we do have Jewish links to Spain in the 1300s. But to what extent uh, all my research does in getting them their citizenship, I, I don't know. But I haven't heard anything negative either. So I'm assuming they're getting the citizenship. What's interesting is that uh, what I heard that the Spanish um, opportunity has been closed, but the Portuguese one is still available. Mm -hmm. And then there, there's been articles where people have paid $15,000 to have an attorney present the documentation and then it didn't go through mm -hmm. or someone else. Um, in the Spanish one, they had put these two kids who are like 
Jewish uh, graduate school students, and they would only approve the ones that had um, Mediterranean last names, like people from Greece, place like that. But if you were from New Mexico or Latin America, they would blow you off as there's no way they're all related. So, <laughs> so typical um, dismissal of, of Spanish Portuguese as exaggerating. Uh, there's been a lot of books where they say that the Inquisition created Jews in the sense of every time they torture someone, someone would uh, say, I'm a Jew. So they would leave them alone. And that's just ridiculous. Uh, the, the Inquisition were like the Nazis. They were very well uh, first in what they were doing. They were very methodical and kept really good records. So this idea that someone would pretend to be a Jew so uh, to get people off or that they would just accuse anybody of being Jewish, they had the, the means and the ability to uh, find out if they were truly Jewish or not or practicing Judaism because a lot of the inquisitors were ex-Jews. It was they would send uh, Jews who uh, converted and became monks or there was a guy who was a rabbi who became um, uh, like a bishop or something. And they knew what to ask and how to uh, push people to uh, to admit that they were practicing uh, Judaism in secret. So it wasn't like they were foolish or assuming or making stuff up. They they knew exactly how to hunt down people and and hold them to the fire. Uh, no pun intended. Uh, so. And what people understand, they'll try to minimize the Inquisition and say that, oh, well, they only kill about 150 people in the Americas when in Spain they kill a thousand or more. But they went all the way to port to um, all the way to the Philippines to hunt people down. Mm -hmm. So in, in, in one of my presentations, I showed how Hitler's uh, obsession with Jewish blood, tainting people's, um, you know, physical or spiritual, uh, you know, descendancy came from uh, the this Catholic obsession with purity, uh, spiritual purity. And they said that even when Jews converted to Catholicism, they still smell like sulfur. So um, he, he got the idea of putting people in ghettos, of, um, you know, slowly killing them or killing them on the spot or persecuting them religiously or physically. All those ideas came from uh, historical things that had already taken place during the Inquisition. Um, so in Mexico- so all, that all that triggered the final solution? Yeah. No? Okay. And, and he was a devout Catholic. That's, they try to say that he was an atheist, try to say that he was a naturalist or uh, into um, some type of Odin uh, style uh, mythology and stuff like that. He was a devout Catholic. He would have mass and, and have Catholic chaplains and all kinds of stuff during his stuff. So, but- um, there's also the, the possibility that he had some Jewish ancestry and he was like self-hating. But when it all comes down to it, it's this idea that anything that stands against you, which is not typical, is problematic. And Jews started getting associated with, um, with enemies of the state. So if somebody stood up against him, you're a Jew. And, and that's how they treat you in Mexico. I don't know if you're familiar with the, the Spanish term Ladino. I, I've heard it. Ladino. So, so growing up, they would say that guy's a Ladino and it, and it would be uh, a form of saying that guy's a scoundrel. Uh, so someone that has no morality. And then you'd come to find out that that's the language of the Spanish Portuguese of the Mediterranean. Uh huh. So it's funny that they would uh, associate that word with people who are troublemakers. 
So, and then I have a friend from um, Guatemala where they called his family Ladinos all his life. And it was because it was connected to being a descendant of Jews. So uh, it's, uh, it's outrageous how even in, in popular culture to be called a Jew or to think of someone as a Jew is almost like a demoniac. Someone uh -huh. who, who's a, not only a heretic, but an enemy of God. So, so Catholic medieval mentality had so ingrained in Latin American culture that I don't know how there's even any Jews um, thriving or existing in, in Latin America because it's, it's almost like being a pariah just by the, the self. Um, if you define yourself as a Jew, you're pretty much uh, setting yourself up to be not trusted by anyone around you. There's this, um, this professor that I know that says that um, oral histories have to be accepted. Uh, uh -huh. So when I tell people, there's no physical proof that we're descendants of Jews because all the records have been burned. It's almost like when the temple in Jerusalem was destroyed during 70 AD, uh, all the 12 tribes that people talk about, like there's no, we, we have no knowledge um, available of who's who and what's what other than they enslaved the majority of the population and took them to Rome. And then whatever Jews were left, they created a, a, a council, a Sanhedrin uh, under the auspices of the emperor. And then they kept Judaism going. Uh, and a lot of it was in uh, Iraq versus uh, Palestine because they were kicked out of, of that area. So in the same way, the Jews of Spain who came with fake names, with, um, you know, they weren't allowed to come to the Americas, but through uh, Carvajal and other people who kind of advocated for them to come as colonizers, they were mm -hmm. able to make it. Uh, all we have is Catholic records or whatever's left of uh, people's last names and, and whatever name they, they brought with them. So uh, how do you sort out who's who and what's what? Um, you know, uh, another person who I met at one of these conferences, she uh, applied for citizenship and got it, but she was saying that based on her research and the little research that I was able to do online, that we were all descendants of El Cid, which is this uh, Spanish mythical hero. Mm -hmm. uh, is that possible that everybody's a descendant of, um, you know, I've, I saw that somehow I might be a descendant of one of the wives of Cortez. Is it possible to be almost like Forrest Gump in a sense where you have all these famous people as your ancestors, the Sancho, the king of Portugal, uh, if, if you're doing this genealogy or is, is that the genealogy can get confused because of the records? David, this is such a that's such a that's such a deep question but the answer is yes the answer is yes Just, irrespective if i didn't know that charles winter was charles iii and you know what i what i do in my line of work in my course of study in my research i'm just looking for the links based on what these people are saying at the time what I've gathered from, uh, there's one study by George Reiskamp. He's a professor of history at Brigham Young University. And he, uh, he did his stuff. And I'll email you both these studies so you can review them. This professor and Dr. Hiller, because they're, they're, uh, they've gone to Spain. They're citing sources. 
um, from the AGN and the AGI and uh, the books of Nobiliario Genealogico de los Reyes y Titulos de España, of which I happen to have a, an, uh, the originals from 1622, where King uh, uh, Felipe IV of Spain commissioned the author to write up the genealogies of all the nobles in his kingdom. The fact, the fact that we descend from them, it's not, uh, it's not a stretch. It's not a stretch. These people were, their descendants were intermarrying with the commoners and the Indians. And look, look at Prince Harry right now marrying Meghan, Meghan Markle. You know, she's, she's half black. And the fact that these kings, uh, uh, Charlemagne and El Cid and Fernando III, El Santo would all have would all have um, descendants in America is not a, is, it's not a stretch. And, I, and, and this is what I tell people. This is what I tell people when I prepare their genealogy. I'm a disinterested party. I don't care where your genealogy falls. I'm just telling you what I've seen. So I'm not out there to, to link you to Fernando III, but I'm able to because of the work, because of the research and the work and the studies that Dr. Hiller Cuz and Professor Rice Camp have provided us with where they cite their sources. So I'm basing all my, my uh, studies, all my information that I present to my, to my clients as being a disinterested party and just presenting you with your genealogical study as I see it. So your, your question, you know, are, are uh, El Cid's, are El Cid's uh, uh, descendants running around in Laredo, Texas right now? The answer is yes. And it's not a stretch of the imagination. It's just people, it's just uh, their children getting married and having more children. And they're not all just marrying royals and nobles. They're marrying commoners and uh, mulatos, indios, uh, marranos, and all these. Uh, they're just intermarrying with the indigenous peoples. And which, uh, again, it's not a stretch of the imagination. you got to realize they're just humans. They just, and C just happened to be a human that, you know, who was, he was a conquistador of Spain or a big, uh, you know, historical figure. Charlemagne is the same thing. He united all the kingdoms of France. The fact, he, but at the end of the day, he was just a man who had kids. And that's how I sum all this up. And uh, when I'm doing my research and looking at all these links, I'm just telling myself, oh, that, then this is all based on the research that I'm seeing that with, and I'm looking for verifiable research. I'm not just throwing out, because I know a lot of people are dying to be descended from you know, Charlemagne. I know that. But I'm not here to give you that if I don't see it. And, and, I, and I, tell them, I tell them flat out, I'm, I'm not your friend here. I'm, I'm your genealogist. And I'm going to present you with, with your genealogy the way I see it based on what they were saying at the time. Well, so if I find a document out there that links you to Charlemagne, uh, David, it's if, and, and chances are, chances are I, I could link you to him. Well, let I, me ask you I mean, that's, that's what I've encountered. I know that uh, it, and it's not your specialty to talk about um, DNA and things like that, but you know, when I hear that there are people from the Mormon community involved in genealogy, I find it suspect because they have their own agenda. Right. And it, to prove that they are the descendants of the Jews who came 
before uh, the destruction of the temple and it somehow Jesus came and talked to them and they were the native community and blah, blah, blah. The same thing would be with the, the bad, um, I would call it bad reports or negative experiences that I've heard from people with DNA where uh -huh. they'll take, they'll take three DNA tests and they all say different things. Uh, there was a point according to one person that they used to separate Sephardic heritage as one type of, um, of group. And now they've renamed it Mediterranean. And I almost feel like they were feeling that too many Latinos were claiming to be Sephardic. So then they had to muddle, muddle the waters. So then people won't get so cocky about being Jewish. And then the, you know, not to speak ill of other Jews, but uh, the Ashkenazi community is kind of closed off in that sense too. And they, they like to focus on how they are descendants of Aaron and descendants of, you know, royalty from the Jewish line. And that maybe if a lot of Latinos are uh, showing uh, signs of having Jewish heritage, it somehow threatens them. Have you heard anything like that where it's inconclusive? Because all I hear from the people that almost seem like they have some type of, um, they, they own some stock in the, in the genealogical companies or something, they, they talk about um, DNA as, as the new wave. And you can't prove religious um, involvement through DNA. So right. how can someone say, you know, I know my ancestors are this or that. The problem with Judaism is it's an ethno-religious uh, civilization. So you have both the genetic component, but you also have the willful uh, conversion or religious devotion of the individuals. And then the, the cultural components related to it. So uh, have you heard people say, you know, they found 12% Ashkenazi, so I'm Jewish. Or, you know, I'm half Sephardic, half native Mexican. Like, how can people make those claims? And, and is it really shown in these uh, DNA kits and, and results? I'm going to back up a little on the Mormons. And on, on that note, I understand a lot of people want their genealogies to look a certain way. I've encountered it. I, I, it, you know, I, I've, I've encountered uh, people asking me to do something else. And it's like, no, this is my answer. When somebody asks me to do something that I'm not seeing with my own eyes, it's the answer is no. Because at the end of the day, as a genealogist, all I have at the end of the day is my integrity, my reputation, and my dignity. So what I'm doing with, with Mormon's records for whatever they're and, and I, I know what the Mormons are doing with all this, but at the end of the day, they're giving me the copies of the actual baptism, marriage, and death records from the books of the, of the parish. That's all I'm relying my information, my research on. Are, are you Jewish? Are you Catholic? Are you a Muslim? Are you a Christian? Are you a Martian from Pluto? That doesn't matter to me. I just, I just present people with their lines of descent from Diego Trevino and Beatriz Quintanilla and, and other links that I've made to Spanish no, nobility and royalty based on the information, on the verifiable research that I've seen. So uh, again, this is why, and again, I reiterate, I'm a disinterested party in all this. I don't care how your genealogy looks. Now, after I present it to you, you can, you can read into it 
and you can call it and you can label it whatever you want. That's not my concern. My concern as a genealogist is to present you with your lines of descent as far back as I can go verifiably. And, uh, and, and, it, and if it's not verb, if it's hearsay information, I tell you this is hearsay information because I have these marks that I put on on verified information and non-verified information. Because again, as a genealogist, I tell myself, I'd rather have this information here than not have it because I, I can't verify everything. Records get lost, they get stolen, they deteriorate, deteriorate with age, they get burned in fires. So some records are just not available. But if if your parents if your parents' wedding record got destroyed in a fire and you told me your father is so and so and your mother is so and so, I'm going to rely on that, and I'll make a notation that that's hearsay information. But this is what David told me on this date. So uh, again, you're asking me, um, what do people read into all this? They, they can read whatever they they can read into it whatever they wish. Because again, I'm not a historian, but I understand that people have the want and the need to belong to a certain group because I, I've, I've heard it and I've seen it. So when you hear that um, Ocasio-Cortez or some other uh, Congresswoman says, I know I'm Sephardic because I'm from Puerto Rico. Uh -huh. uh, is that just a, like a wild claim or is that most likely or can they, should they be more careful like uh, that uh, Elizabeth Warren, where she was going around saying she was native, but the native community Turkey. had rules. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So that's what we, I tell people that the same thing goes with being Jewish. Like I, I've been challenged, like you're only Jewish if you think you're Jewish and if the Jewish community considers you Jewish, but every community is different. So you might get a bunch of people who want, want nothing to do with you because you're Mexican. And then you meet someone who's like, okay, sounds good. So it's easy to, to give up and say, well, no one's ever going to accept me. Um, uh -huh. My sister-in-law uh, did her DNA test and it came out that they had a lot of um, Middle Eastern blood. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, Middle Eastern people are very particular, just like Jews and, and other groups. Uh, if you start attending their events and learning about them and accepting their culture, they might take you in, but it's not going to be immediate. They're not just going to say, OK, come on over because they've been come through on. a lot. Uh -huh. just, like, just like the native community. Um, there was a young lady that was mad because they were making a big deal about how much Indian blood she had in her. And she felt that they were being racist, but because they've been persecuted and mistreated for so long, they have to be particular about who can be truly considered uh, one of their descendants. Uh, have you heard of, there's a group, uh, they had a radio show and they were indigenous um, Texans who had, pretended to be Catholic and, and just Mexicans for many years. And now that there's more uh, freedom, they're actually trying to uh, establish themselves as a tribe and get recognition. Uh, I almost feel that it's the same thing for uh, descendants of Jews of Northern Mexico, where we're, we're like a mythical people that we're finally coming out of the shadows and it's taking a lot for us to be accepted. Um, have you come across any other group like that that is uh, that now that there's more evidence and there's more uh, research that we can make a, a stronger case? The, the answer is no, I have not. 
from uh, from my experience and as people approach me, what they want most, basically at, at, the, at the very least, they just want their lines of descent as far back as I can go. It, it's in it, uh, the, the, um, the issue of Jewish or Catholic or like no, no religion comes up, no religious, uh, no religious connections are expressed. It, they just want to know who they are and where they come from. And I, I get, I, again, I touch on the Jewish question at the end because uh, again, my, my major, cons- my, uh, my focus is to just make all these connections, to tie us all into one big family because we literally are one big family in Northeastern Mexico and South Texas. And I don't say this flippantly. Anybody with deep roots in this region descends from Diego Trevino and Beatriz Quintanilla, and whose, whose grandson married a granddaughter of Diego de Montemayor, the founder of Monterrey. So if you descend from Diego and Beatriz, you descend from Don Diego de Montemayor, the founder of Monterrey, September 20th, 1596. This is, this is, just, uh, this is just normal for anybody in this region. And this is, these are the uh, people that I touch on, taking somebody back to the year 1596, Don Diego arrived here in 1548 from Spain. Um, uh, I, I possess the, uh, the books from the Archivo General de Indias, which were commissioned by the Duke of Alba, and it, it clearly shows Don Diego de Montemayor arriving here in 1548. So th- this is as far back as I can verifiably uh, connect anybody and then the Jewish question always comes up towards the end because my first concern, my first focus is to link these people into my data, into, I call it the core. I call it the core. The core being Diego and Beatriz and Don Diego de Montemayor. They, they're the, uh, the foundation of my core. And my first focus is to link everybody into this tree. But, and, t- and I touch on the Jewish issue afterwards. But no, nobody's really interested in in the in the Jewish uh, in the Jewish connection. But but I ask them, and they say they're aware of it, and they, it just it it ends there. It really it really they they don't delve any deeper. Well, all I know is that um, there's so much to to unravel, and um, the the oral like what I tell people is oral histories are important, migration patterns are important genealogical research documents are important, but also, um, you know, being um, validated for uh, feeling, you know, out of place or feeling like an an oppressed people, all those experiences create a a Jewish identity in someone. It's not just one thing or another. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's easy to run into the Jewish community where they say, well, where are your documents? You need to have a ketubah, a marriage contract from your parents or grandparents to prove your lineage. And uh, like I was saying, there is no pedigree that is available if, if you were under persecution. And then there's also um, anti-Hispanic bias and a lot of um, almost racist, um, you know, pandering where like they feel that um, we might want to uh, be accepted or feel uh, that we have um, a more, because Jews are a protected group in American culture. It's not the same in Mexico, but here, uh, the Jewish people have a good reputation. So 
it would for some people it's like oh yeah i have you know 12 percent ashkenazi or whatever that's great but what are you doing with it and how is that uh, a part of your life so there's always been this battle between the ashkenazim and the sephardim because in Eastern Europe, there's all these stories of Jews giving their lives to protect Judaism in the in the pogroms. And then there's this idea that the Spanish-Portuguese Jews just gave in, that instead of uh, killing themselves or dying for the cause, that they all were willing to compromise their faith to be accepted. And there was a little bit of everything. There's stories of people doing that in France and Germany before um, the simulation of the 1800s and 1900s. So it's a very complicated history of inner Jewish conflict mm-hmm. as well as complex. we're going, we're going over here with, um, you know, cultural and first generation immigrants and things like that. I appreciate you bringing up um, people from the border because there's also a, a, a difficulty, uh, you know, being from neither here nor there with uh, the border being a, uh, a, a place of contention, um, especially for Texans, which a lot of them, their land was stolen and things like that. And they, they were considered white and then they put them in a different category. And my mom came to San Antonio from Mexico when, when she was a child. And there was a sign at, um, at the gas station that said, no blacks, no Mexicans, no dogs. And since she saw that, she wanted nothing to do with the, with the U.S., Mm-hmm. And I hear all kinds of stories of Jews trying to flee uh, the wars in, in Germany and Poland and not being allowed into the U.S. and then landing in Mexico and having actually more access and freedom over there. And some of them even smuggling themselves into the U.S. Mm-hmm. afterward. So uh, so it's a, it's a crazy world that we live in. And But I think that that idea of people connecting with their heritage, where they truly came from, is a new... Um, Thing that is happening because people feel so disconnected and American culture has kind of lost its way. Mm-hmm. So, so people are clinging to something like, you know, where, where am I from? How is this important? How can I pass this on to the next generation? And, um, and hopefully through our research here on our show and the work that you do, we can give people that uh, ability to, to feel part of, of a greater whole. Um, would you like to share with the audience uh, if anybody wants to get a hold of you or if you have any um, resources available online that uh, they can tap into? Uh, I don't have anything online. What I do encourage people to do is to contact me at uh, my email is my initials, John Ross Campbell. It's JRC78040 at yahoo.com. I encourage people to come by my uh, my house, my office, to see my library. I have a I have a I have a fully stocked genealogical research library here at my house. I have access to the uh, Mormons website, which provides me more access to all their records, baptism, marriages, and deaths. I encourage people to come by because they need to see everything I have and what I do, and to explain to them exactly how I do it. I prepared a PowerPoint presentation explaining every aspect of Hispanic genealogy and genealogy in general, because we really are all connected. And I don't say this flippantly. It's we're 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 all one big family. And my uh, my uh, 
goal is to tie everybody I can into this, my, my, my database, which currently contains 301,000 individuals all connected to me by blood or marriage. And this, this is what I encourage people to do. David, if you're in Laredo, you need to come by and see this. You're, uh, ch the chances, I'm going to tell you right now, just the names you mentioned, Trevino, Elizondo, the chances are very great that I already have your genealogical history done for you. I promise you. I promise you. Elizondo, Trevino, Garcia, Villarreal, those are the core names of this region that I specialized in. So what, like, when I hear people talk like I was hearing you talk right now, you're mentioning all the core names that I have on my database. So if you're Elizondo in Cantu, Elizondo, Cantu, Trevino, Garza, Villarreal, Ortiz, those are all my core names that I specialize in. So if you're ever in Moreno, you drop on by and I will present you with your genealogical study. Well, I'm seeing an article online from the Laredo Morning Times, which discusses your library. And uh, yes. so if anybody wants to uh, look into that, I'll put it on the um, the comments or on, on the description of, uh, of our YouTube video and also on our um, broadcasting website, podcasting. So I just want to thank you for uh, enlightening us. Uh, we've had multiple people discuss this in the broad way and historically, but to have someone who specializes in this is, is, a, is a blessing and and to give people hope because um, in my experience, there's a place in uh, New Mexico that they'll give you a certificate of Sephardic heritage that you can use with the um, embassy of Spain or Portugal. You have to pay $500 for that plus another $1,500 or up to $5,000 and someone doing genealogical tree. And, uh, and I asked them, um, what about people who don't have any money? And they said, oh, well, you're on your own. So I also feel that sometimes it's like, a, you know, people that have, uh, you know, extra income can do these type of uh, projects. But if you have this available and, and I don't know um, how can, how accessible is it, but we need to, um, it's almost, the more we know about our past, the better we can make decisions for the future and the, the more connected we feel with one another. So I appreciate what you're doing. I appreciate you giving people the tools to be able to do that. I will tell you this much, David. I have been known to give away a study or two. So I'm, I'm not in this for the money, okay? The, my, uh, God has blessed me with a good job, a good income. Uh, I'm, uh, I, I want people to have their genealogical histories. I, I've actually given away more than I've charged for. So it's it's not beyond me to do that. So I want people to have this. Wonderful. And I feel like anybody- It, it, bless, it blesses me. It blesses me. Well, anybody who's informed or can, um, can advocate for themselves, even, um, you know, in, in the world in general, um, who has confidence in who they are and what they're all about, uh, can achieve more than someone who's who's not able to um, who's at the mercy of others. Um, mm -hmm. And that's and and I heard from a very wise Latina activist that if we don't celebrate our culture, nobody else will. So um, we come from a very disjointed and and mysterious uh, group of people, um, but a lot of it has to do with how the, these countries came about. 
So it's time for us to to rise and 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 be proud of our heritage and bring positive values and and positive things to uh, ongoing uh, culture. So again, and love one another, love one another, especially and you know here we talk a lot about anti-Semitism. We talk about Jewish um, ideas and and history and stuff like that. But when it's all said and done, is to um, to bring people to to a closer understanding of uh, our purpose in, in the world and find meaning. So I thank you for what you do and I hope that we can stay in touch and maybe you can come on the show later and tell us of other things. And there's some weird stories that I've heard uh, throughout the years. So maybe we can do myth busters uh, through history and genealogy uh, next time where we can see if there's, there's uh, <laughs> I would love that. of some of these things. But um, thank you so much, Mr. Campbell. And okay. uh, Again, uh, we'll stay in touch, and, and it's a pleasure having you on the show. Thank you.